welcome to this week's episode of Please Watch This, a film podcast where two film-loving mates with gaps in their viewing history recommend films to each other so they can once and for all decide who has better taste. What's that over there? <laughs> but soft, that what light through yonder window breaks. Oh. <laughs> it's Hugh Dempsey, like... the Hust, and it's the Hust. The Hust with the Moost. You've turned Scottish there. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm Hugh. That's Sam. Uh, oh, yeah. We we do this podcasting malarkey. Yeah, we did. Uh, we try to be funny. We both We're did English A levels. <laughs> I think I did lit. You did language. You did lit. No, I did. No, I did lit as well. We're both English literature graduates yeah. in the sense that we did A levels fifteen A-levels. years ago. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we, we graduated the thing that is not editors graduated for. But that's correct. But Hugh does have a history of politics degree, so that might be relevant today. It is historical. Well, yeah. It is, yeah, yeah. I'm a graduate of that. <laughs> I, I would ask you what you've been up to this week, Hugh, but uh, I know it is. It's nothing, isn't it? It's uh, it's uh, lockdown, so you've not been up to much. Oh, what have I been up to? Um, well, it's not lockdown anymore. We're out of that now. Yeah, aren't but it we? is, but, isn't but it? We're in, <laughs> Where, what we're else in, are you going to do? I'm in tier three here, so it's still tier two in North lockdown. Yeah. So, but what about you? Have you done anything interesting? We've got a new addition to the family. Three of them. Uh, right, a snail and two shrimps. I didn't know you could have, you could have pet shrimp. Uh, but I mean, uh, I thought you would. That just sounds like what you're gonna have for dinner. Yeah, well, that's it. And uh, yeah, we've got snail and two shrimps. Um, the 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 snail is called Aunt em- Auntie Emily. The shrimps are called Jesus and Mary yeah. Mary. Mary Mary. Yeah, two Marys. So good they named her twice. No, you know me. I, you know I'm not one for religious instruction. I, I blame Tony Blair. And uh, the Nintendo <laughs> Wii uh, slash my partner. There is a in the Nintendo Wii. I don't know if you know, but the characters they're Mies, and you can customize them. And at some what point in the last, on the Wii, sorry, just generally on the Wii, but this is on the Wii Sports oh, right, Resort right. and all that sort of stuff. Okay. But my partner years ago had made characters for all the family, and a character called Jesus, and he did really well in baseball. And Lily really loves Jesus now. <laughs> I'm sorry, Richard Dawkins, but my daughter loves Jesus now. And uh, her nursery. I blame the parents. Her, yeah, absolutely. Her nursery now getting her to, to sing some Jesusy songs as well. And yeah. that's Tony Blair's fault. Uh, Again, bringing in he seems uh, responsible. broadly Christian active worship into all those Catholics are everywhere. Eh? It's unbelievable. It's unbearable. Yeah. And, you know me. I'm right. more of an anti theist than a. It is. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. But that's their names: the two shrimp, Mary, Mary, and uh, Jesus. Again, didn't know and you could have shrimps what's the, and pets. What's the lifespan on two shrimp? We thought we thought a few hours because <laughs> it looked like there was a half-eaten shrimp in there, and uh, my partner had to give her daughter <laughs> like the talk about death, and she went, "Oh no, actually, that's it. Must have just shed its skin." <laughs> uh, so I've no idea. Shrimp shed their skin. I mean. Or they had a baby that immediately went to adult size and then they ate half of it. I simply don't know. They're a, they're an enigma. <laughs> That's not your qualification. It's hard to it? find them in the tank <laughs> to begin with. So we've got three, possibly four or five additions to the family, Hugh. That's my week. <laughs> Lovely. Yeah. Well, that's. I, I'll be honest. It's hard to segue. Yeah, from cut that, that out. Into this, <laughs> yeah, into the film. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, I, I don't of... like their names. I wish they'd. Re- I wish they'd remained anonymous. Lovely. I mean, it's like I'm working with a pro. Absolutely. Well, I mean, yes, yeah, so let's get into it. Let's so this it. week's film is the 2011 Roland Emmerich, Hymn of uh, Independence Day in 2012 fame, uh, directed film about, um, well, it's about Shakespeare, but Shakespeare not being Shakespeare, Shakespeare. being somebody else. 
and it being penned under an anonymous name, hence the title of the film. Um, basically, I've used this as an excuse to talk about the controversy or the you know the uh, the the conspiracy theory you could call it of is was Shakespeare the author of Shakespeare's work or was it Ooh. somebody else? Or, and as this film posits, was it John Devere, sorry Edward Devere, the Earl of Oxford? Let's hear Roland Emmerich's take on it. Well, this is the it. This is what he thought out. about it. <laughs> this is what he thought about it, wasn't it? Mm. Um, this is, yeah, written by a man called John Orloff, starring uh, Reese Sifans as the Edward de Vere, uh, Sebastian Ar- Ar- Armesto, sorry, Sebastian, messed up your name, he plays famous <laughs> playwright Ben Johnson, uh, David Fulis plays yeah. William Cecil, Vanessa Redgrave plays a, a old Elizabeth I, and her daughter uh, Jolie Richardson plays a young... Mm. Elizabeth I. Uh, you've got Rafe Spall in there playing William Shakespeare. You've got uh, Jamie Campbell Bower who plays a young Edward de Vere. And it's then quite a you've cast, got isn't Edward it? Hogg playing uh, Robert Cecil, the son of uh, William Cecil. Yeah, it's a, it's an ensemble, isn't mm. it? As they say, it's um, and there's some more people. Uh, Mark Rylance has a little cameo appearance, doesn't he? As one of the um, one of the actors in the plays. Oh, yeah, yeah which is that. kind of before it's kind of before he became really famous yeah. he was probably just like well known as a as a, a thespian a thesp, good old thesp Derek Jacobi yeah. of course opens the film yeah, Pro- yeah. Proper he's thesp. there too isn't he yeah he's classic there, thesp you know. yeah um, although not very professional not very professional is he turning just up just all casual in his trench coat thing and he's yeah. uh, he's super yeah. late yeah, yeah yeah he's late late to work so you know he's got his brolly says a lot about him. They don't even. He doesn't even bother to get changed. Sound put, put check. Makeup. No, mic checks. Yeah. Useless. I, mean, I bet he didn't even pay that taxi driver. <laughs> you know what I'm just saying. <laughs> but yeah. So yeah. I mean, I'll be honest, right? So I've literally decided to pick this film because a you haven't seen it, and b it was a vehicle to talk about this controversy. <laughs> Has it been so burning, film... uh, burning subject for you for the whole seventy-one episodes we've been doing this show? Like, I need to talk um... about the theory that Shakespeare is not the writer of Shakespeare. He was a he was a Shakespeare. <laughs> William's Shakespeare. <laughs> you've, you've been looking forward to saying that. I've had it written down so... for hours. You. <laughs> I was. What did you get to bed? About two, two, three. No, I just, it's just interesting. I thought it was something that could cause a bit of a, a masturbate. Mm, oh, yes. You are yeah. a cunning linguist. Oh, yeah. And I'm a masturbator. Is that what yeah. Master so, yeah, debater, I I be... <laughs> You're a twat. That's right. I'm a wanker. What, you're a wanker, yeah. That's what I wanted to call it. Yeah. So I thought, yeah, it'd be a good excuse to talk about it, really. To have a, to have a bit of a, to get to literally, like present the facts or the, the lack thereof and welcome see, to see my ted talk with hugh dempsey so hugh um before you get into your ted talk about whether or not shakespeare was Shakespeare, <laughs> um cinematically what do you like about this film well so like i said it's the film itself is okay let's be honest i think this is one of the first few films we've had on this where i wouldn't be like an avid support and be like, oh you should really see this film it's more of a oh yeah this is an interesting premise and here's a quite a well made film about it do you know what I mean I mean so usually it's we more the ratings. discussion point rather than the actual it's more the yeah, discussion like, point rather than the quality of it but yeah, are like there qualities it, it, of the film that you enjoyed yeah I mean it's 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 got 
an intriguing plot premise. Like, let's face it, everyone loves a good conspiracy theory, don't they? Oh yeah, you oh, yeah. you know, even if they're total BS and silly, and but there's some that are dumb, like Flat Earth or. 9-11 was an inside job you know they're stupid ones by stupid people <laughs> far too much time and who love a and confirmation bias and then there's ones like this that are almost credible if that makes sense mm. you know when you when you look at the surface of it so it's it's interesting to to get to look into it and um yeah, like like this film's like it's perfectly serviceable, isn't it? This film it's it's well made, it's well acted, it's well written, directing's good. You know, it's got a bit of action in it, it's got a bit of drama, it's got an almighty plot twist, which I, which is very like. Shall we get into the spoilers? Yeah, this? let's spoil the hell out of it. Yeah, so there is, or we can, I'll just say it now. There is a big plot twist, and yeah, so this film gets. It, it hooks you in by going, oh, well, what if, you know, Shakespeare wasn't really Shakespeare? But then it's really, it's like a court drama, isn't it? Like, effectively, the, the, the what comes across as is meant to be the air plot about, you know, Edward de Vere being the author of Shakespeare turns out to be almost the B plot to this court intrigue and, you know, romance between him and Queen Elizabeth. And then the, the big spoiler that it might turn out that he's... Turns in, he's somehow this Oedipus Rex character who's shagged his mum <laughs> slash mother of his child. Yeah, it's it's messed up, isn't it? A little bit, a little bit. Yeah, it, I bet that took you aback when <laughs> when that bit came out in the end. Um, so yeah, so uh, should I give you? A, should we give you a brief synopsis? Give us it. Give us both barrels quickly. Both barrels as quick as I can. Uh, so long story short is. Um, you've got Reese of fans. He plays the Earl of Oxford, you know, the seventeenth of Earl of Oxford. The you know, etc. etc. You know, et yeah, the court chip. What is he? The Chamberlain of of the of England, Lord the, of the uh, Privies, Vic- and uh, whatnot. Yeah, yeah, the Viscount of so and so, and this and that, etc. etc. Et yeah, he um, Chancellor of the What's It. <laughs> yeah, the What's It specifically <laughs> on the, the What's It just. Yeah, it's one what's it? Just the original one. Still got cheese on and everything. It's amazing. Vacuum sealed. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I'd imagine. <laughs> yeah, they let you lick it once a year. <laughs> but, um, it's like the kilogram, you know, like it loses a little yeah. bit of volume every year. <laughs> a few atoms here and there. But it is the master copy. Yeah, they top it up every year with a bit of cheese. Powder. <laughs> anyway, I'll get back to the plot synopsis. So yeah, he's um, he's a high noble, you know, well educated man who he basically he goes to the theatre and realizes that the theatre is this place that you can, you know, you get your message across. So he he gives uh, Ben Johnson, famous playwright, he gives he basically gives him his work, his plays, and says, look, you're gonna front this for me and. You know, I'm going to get my players out there and you're going to do all this. And then in the course of like, I don't know, the first half an hour, 40 minutes, essentially what happens is William Shakespeare takes credit for it, who's this actor who works with um, who works with Ben Johnson at the, I think, at the Riverbank, the Bankside Theatre. And um, yeah, he's kind of this, you know, he's, he's one step removed from the village idiot is the way they portray him <laughs> in this film. He's a... He's not very refined. He's not very sophisticated. Illiterate, illiterate drunk, riffs ball. Yeah, he can't write. Apparently, uh, he can read, but he can't write. Um, and yes, yeah, so he kind of takes credit for it. 
and then the but the the that's like the like I said the A plot but the B plot is basically um, there's court intrigue around you know who's got the ear of the queen and there's a bit of mystery around who's going to succeed her um one faction wants it to be james james the first spoiler alert of scotland <laughs> well he's james the sixth of scotland and james the first of england and then the others want what's believed to be a bastard child of queen elizabeth the earl of essex to be the the other one and um edward de vere his Bastard son is the Earl of Southampton. Bastard. And he, Sorry, it's just bastard. since Game of Thrones, it's impossible <laughs> not to see it like that. Yeah, he is the. He's friends with the Earl, the Earl of Southampton's friends with the Earl of Essex. They they end up getting themselves into some hot water, and uh, the Earl of Ex, Ex, Essex, you know, gets the chop. It's the old heave ho and yeah, the uh, the 16th century style of beheading. So, yeah, and the, there's like a whole plot about. Essentially, like, um, like pe- the the basically that that's like the the main thrust of the plot, but really it's kind of about Edward and his relationship with Queen Elizabeth and his relationship with the Cecils and his like relationship with his wife and his relationship with Ben Johnson and William Shakespeare and yeah he he writes like he writes Richard the Third as like a way to rouse the rabble and all this sort of stuff. Yeah, it's um, there, 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 there's, there's not a lot of plot to this film when you think about it, really, is there? But there's a but lot there's, of stuff lot going happens. on. Yeah, there's yeah, a lot of stuff just... and storylines and threads and timelines. Yeah, I mean, like, like what I liked about it is it does move at a pace. It's not, it's not a slow film. It's two hours, but it goes pretty quick in a entertaining way. It's well written. It's well acted. I think. I think this is probably Reese fans' best job as an actor. I know he's. You know, popular in other stuff, but I think this is. He straddles the comedy stuff. drama thing, doesn't he? You know, he's he's great yeah. in slapstick in Ke- uh, Kevin and Perry go large and yeah. Notting Hill and all that. But he, he, does, have odd, yeah, he does have the odd dramatic twat. Twat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, Mister Nice, um, Notting Hill. But yeah, in this he's very very good, isn't he? He's like the serious crooks of the film, and I think they cast it very well. Um, you know, you've got David Thewlis is great in there. Julie Richards is good for her little bits and pieces. Vanessa Redgrave. Um, yeah, it's very, you know, the plot twist is very Oedipus Rex Game of Thrones, isn't it? It's, you know, I almost expected um, Tyrion Lannister to walk in after uh, William Cecil told uh, um, uh, the Earl of Oxford what, who he was. Mm, demand trial um, by, what is it, trial by... Duel? What's it called? Trial combat, by, by combat. combat. That's the one. Yeah, that that's rolls yeah. off the thing a bit better. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I quite. So yeah, it's a. It, that's all really good. I think. Yeah. Are there things you don't like about it, or you think I might not like about it? Um, You've known me twenty years now. Yeah. So I'm getting there. <laughs> <laughs> and you might have been a little bored. You might have been. Oh, this is an intriguing premise. Let's see how this plays out. And then, you know, forty minutes an hour in, you might. Be lagging a bit I don't know maybe not I'm not entirely sure um, I think the characters come across as a little bit one dimensional um, there's some like like there's a bit where they're like oh he's wrote the play Romeo and Juliet all in iambic pentameter and they're all like falling <laughs> over themselves but I think that's something that was happened anyway so I mm. think it was kind of um, they were like 
that's so yeah that was you know that might come across as a bit stupid and a bit silly um the characterization of women in this film isn't great they're either <laughs> terrible shrews or they're lusty well up for it barmaids yeah slash yeah, queens like, <laughs> yeah 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 and everything in between yeah. you know like his wife doesn't come across as a very nice woman she gets well she's a puritan cut, isn't she <laughs> yeah she gets cut down a peg or two doesn't she in, yeah, she's good though. She only, she's not in it much, but she's good in what she does. Um, like one reviewer, um, he has a very specific thing he says about the way women are portrayed in this film, but we'll get to that later. I'm not going okay. to spoil it now. I mean, I don't go as far as he would say what he thinks, but I can see where they're coming from. Um, yeah, like the Cecils, like I said, about them being a bit one-dimensional, like literally like the both Cecils come across as these like Machiavellian spiders with no no real purpose in life other than to be <laughs> powerful and can manipulative and puritanical. They don't they're not very fleshed out like you know they try a little bit a little bit with um with the son with Robert Cecil when he's like looking out the window and he meets the Earl of Oxford for the first time but I'm not I'm not entirely convinced. Although now I think back when you look at the film um Robert Cecil looks about 20 years younger than, <laughs> than Reese fans in this film. And he's only meant to be like maybe 10 years at most younger than him. Yeah. <laughs> there does seem to be a bit of a disparity there. Um, but yeah. That's definitely a challenge. But, but yeah, I mean, one thing that is good about this film is it's um, the CGI brings to life um, Elizabethan England very well. You know, you see the um, London Bridge how it used to be with all the shops and buildings on it. You don't really get that anymore, which I think is quite cool. Uh, something I meant to mention beforehand. But yeah, like I said, I'm really just using it so we can t- discuss the uh, so we can discuss the whole controversy, controversy. really. And mm. Get your take on it and I'm, after we give you all the facts and things. So what I'm going to do, we're going to have a break. And then what I thought we might do is we'll split it up into like two bits. We'll get your review of the, we'll split the film We'll give you a review of the film. We'll get your thoughts and feelings on that, and then we'll get we'll go in. We'll get into it. What do you think? Do some Shakespeare hunting. Yeah, sounds good to me. All right then. See you after the break. Hello and welcome back to Please Watch This. So what we're going to do now is we're going to find out Sam's thoughts. On anonymous, so Sam, I'm I'm going to ask you two questions instead of asking you what you did like. Surprise! What you did instead of asking what you did. Did you did you were you intrigued by the premise, and were you were your socks knocked off by the plot twist in this film? Because I remember at the time being very shocked by it. Uh, Yes and no to the two questions. Uh, So yes, intrigued by the premise. It's something I'd heard before. Um, never really properly looked into. Um, assumed it was kind of conspiracy theory because I'll, I'll get to that. Um, and then no, um, but I'll get to that. <laughs> so going back to the things that you know, back to the traditional sort of two questions. I think that what I really liked was you know I, I saw this got an Oscar nom for um, costume design. The costumes, as far as I'm, they'd look good, you know, they look of the time I mean, and I mean, with faint praise there, colourful. Uh, I love a lot of the cast. I do love Reese fans and Thewlis and Vanessa Redgrave, you know, all the ones you mentioned and yeah, all that sort of stuff. 
let's see. That's it. That's it. Well, that's it. Right, okay. Um, that's one of the things I didn't like <laughs> about oh, this film. Oh, I genuinely, genuinely hated this film. Really? Hated it. I thought but... it was a really excellent opening. I really loved the first minute and a half. <laughs> okay. And I hated it after that. You, you really disliked it that much? Yeah, like... I'd, see, I don't think it's a bad film. I think it's perfectly serviceable, like I said. I think it's, I I think think it's, it's badly made. I think it's badly written. I think it's... Many of the acting is very bad. I hated the message of Many of, of the it. acting is very bad. <laughs> Many of the acting. I'm going to get to each of these then. So, okay, so just generally on the way it's made, yeah. the direction was not very particularly good, very good, but mainly I think the editing, especially at the start. It's, I'd need to make a video essay to illustrate this, but okay. especially at the start, the editing is so just like, let's just choose a bunch of random angles. There was some scene with some somebody talking archly um and it was just it was not following the audience's gaze at all it was just suddenly the camera was behind a character uh, at random then it was on another person and in terms of fitting the film together it just jumped everywhere and i rarely ever say this about the film this film would genuinely have benefited from a narrator if Derek jacoby had narrated the whole film and tied it together for me it would have been so much neater because it was so poorly edited I don't know how much they had to work with but it was just jumped and jumped and jumped and I don't need it to say like and now we're in 1572 or whatever there are a lot of time jumps in this and there's only like like there's one where it goes five years later and then there's one where it's like 40 40 years years later and you go okay it's Julie Richardson so it's a younger Vanessa Redgrave okay yeah but but without, but nobody's, and I don't necessarily need a filmmaker to hold my hand through it. But there's a difference between being smart and complicated and being incoherent. And I think Batman vs Superman and Justice League are incoherent to the point where it's difficult to follow. I mean, certainly Batman vs Superman, it's difficult to follow some things. And it's not because it's too smart for you; it's because it's incoherent and poorly told. Yeah. And I definitely think that's true here, um, because you know the names aren't that memorable. Obviously, I've heard of names like Earl of Oxford and all these kind of things, but but I I do need my hand held a little bit, and I actually would have benefited from it. But especially if you're going to start with this modern day New York Derek Jacobi thing. And then play the whole film and then go back to that. Yeah. Initially, I loved that concept. I was like, okay, this is going to be a really good film. That's really smart and I liked it. And it wasn't just a postmodern novelty. I actually wanted him to interject occasionally in the in the, in the the action. Um, another thing on the way it's made then. So it felt like it was a dramatic... Often it felt like I'm watching a dramatic scene from a comedy sketch show where there's going to be a punchline coming up. Or I felt like I was watching the start of an episode of Extras, you know, where normally they're watching <laughs> the, the film or TV show at oh, the start dear. that he's extra in, where it's just like generic, dramatic, whatever. And I'm just waiting for Andy Millman to show up in the background of one of the shots. And then actually when James I is, um, you know, point of king, spoiler alert, <laughs> if you're not up on your English history, and he looks yeah. a little bit like Hugh Gervais, so I was like, oh, finally we're going to get the episode of Extras that we've been waiting for. I wonder which of these stars is the actual cameo in this. Is it Thewlis? Is it Redgrave? Is it Richardson? Um, it, it really made me wish I was watching Upstart Crow. Right. Because this film was no fun. Right. This is the problem with it being like a Roland Emmerich film as opposed <laughs> to someone who knows anything about Shakespeare. Or 
it felt like it was made and written and made by people who don't get Shakespeare and have never felt joy from Shakespeare, but they know that Shakespeare is someone that people love, and so they they're gonna they're gonna try and recreate it. And I felt the same way about this film as I feel about most films that are about Greek myth. They think Greek myth is glorious, golden armies and kings and kingdoms and all that stuff and that's the most boring part of it the point the like the interesting part about greek myth is the nuance and the humanity and all that shakespeare's mm. about that and and this film didn't get that <laughs> this film was like let's it's like that new king arthur not new but like this or last year king arthur film where it's like is it guy pierce no it's not guy pierce it's like guy ritchie it's i think it's yeah. guy ritchie if not yeah. it's, it's a guy ritchie kind of film i can't say i've seen it I don't want a Guy Ritchie King Arthur film because it's it's going to be like oh well it's it's like action isn't it so okay then here's that's my question going to be exciting. if it was if it was the same screenplay but a different director who had no. a bit who, somebody who like has a bit more nuance no it would have been direction. it would have been it would have been a touch better Roland yeah. Emmerich has made this much worse but there's no fun <laughs> in the screenplay either there's nothing wry or interesting about it. There's nothing like nuanced or human about it. It's, it's, you know, it's like everybody's talking. I mean, Game of Thrones manages to do this well. It's it's a bunch of people in formal court settings talking formally, like your lordship and so on. Mm. But they still have a wry twinkle in their eye, and they still mm. make jokes and and it's smart. Whereas this is just the most bland. BBC costume period drama Paul Dark thing that they're going to watch on Dogglebox <laughs> stuff that people are going to yeah. rave about and I'll, and I'll, and I'll just think what? I don't see the appeal for me it's so generic so generic right. um, did you, you know, like Reese fans in this? He's good, he, was, he? he was really good I do love Reese fans and he was good in this he was he the gets, best thing about he gets this the by best, a long way he gets the best lines doesn't he Which he gets the best lines he's got a really good character and he's the best thing by a long way but yeah it was no fun it was no fun, and that's what made me want to want to watch Upstart Crow or something like that. Because have you seen Upstart Crow? No, I've never I've never seen it. To be honest, I had such I've a prejudice it. about it. Yeah, I, but I knew I knew I knew it. that that would influence how you saw this. I just knew yeah. it would because yeah. it's so because I know you said you re- you really like it and all that. And... and there's a lot of like similarities in obviously the subject matter. And for those listening who don't know about Upstart Crow, it's a BBC sitcom yeah. about Shakespeare. Yeah. It's David Mitchell plays Shakespeare, and it's written by Ben Elton. So it's quite it's kind of broad but smart. You know, it's it's, it's sort of Blackadder series two kind of thing. Yeah. And I genuinely thought it wasn't going to be very good. Uh, my dad showed me a, a really touching episode where, uh, like, he goes through a personal tragedy, um, which was like season three or something like that. And then I just digested the whole, however many series there are, in a few days or something, or in a couple of sittings because it's a it's a British show. So I think there's like six episodes a series or something like that. Oh yeah, British shows that can run for ten years and only have like. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's easily digestible, and I just wish I were watching that because there's so much. Like I say about the cast, there's so much comedic chops in there as well. Like every, almost everyone. I'm sure I saw Kevin Eldon in like an early series, in an early scene. He can't have been him because he was literally there and then he was gone. But anyway, there's so much possibly there's so many comedic chops and so much comedic talent in that cast, and they make nothing. I of mean, it. it's a it's a very talented. It's cast, such isn't a talented it? cast. It's a two hour I mean? and nine or so film. It's about an hour too long. I did not give a shit about the <laughs> Queen plot. I was like, I'm here for the Shakespeare thing, and I don't care. Is that about because that they stuff. don't? Is that because they don't develop the character of 
Southampton and Essex well enough. Well, maybe, but it's just like, like I don't. What, they're in Ireland. Being for me, it's, it's like I don't Catholics care about the, this illegitimate child and stuff. That is, assassins. That's not why I'm here, and you've not hooked me enough to care about that in the slightest. Um, and it made it so slow and so pointless. And um, I mean, you know, I mean, it does it does ask you to stretch credulity a little bit by saying, "Oh, um, the Earl of Oxford wrote a Midsummer Night's Dream when he was nine years old." There, yeah, that <laughs> sure. Yeah, that is a bit shit. And um, and I hate the message of it as well. So the idea oh, that what's the message, the problem is that Shakespeare, the the person, was basically mm. too low born and uneducated to possibly come up with this beauty. So it must be this yeah. nobleman who's better educated and so on. And I hate that so much about this film um, because so many great writers have come from impoverished backgrounds, not privileged backgrounds, maybe slightly comfortable backgrounds, but not noble backgrounds. I hated how they portrayed it. And, I, I, you know, I, I don't know anything about Shakespeare the Man, really, but, I, I, you know, ever since I started doing it A-level, I loved it. Like most school children, I hate I'd be really bored by it, sort of alienated by it um, in lower school, and then f- did Hamlet at uh, and Anthony and Cleopatra at A-level, and was forced to really think about it. Anthony and Cleopatra, Hunting, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a sort of B-plot, um, it's a, the, the technical <laughs> And I ended up really loving it, and got into the sonnets and all that sort of stuff, and I just felt this was... This was this. It's like this film was made by the person who made Twenty Twelve, <laughs> and it's like this film was made by the person who made the last film that I walked out of the cinema for, which was uh, the latest Independence Day. Um, you walked out. Walked of the out cinema. cinema. It was the fourth film I'd seen at the cinema that day, and I thought, Do you know what? Oh, right. I'm Twenty minutes in, so you would, I don't I mean, need to watch is this a film, film that you would. I mean, is this a film that you would? Not paid to see. I really wished there was a power cut <laughs> halfway through. I was like, I know I need to do this for the podcast, but fucking hell, this film needs to end <laughs> pretty soon. Well, I didn't think you'd d- dislike. I thought it's. In- I think. It- I mean, to be honest, I didn't think we'd have this big of a discussion about no, it. Honestly, I thought you'd. I thought you'd be like, yeah, it's not. I don't even think it's, it's not, generic passable. It's I think it's. I think it's really badly made, and I don't. Like I mean, compared to twenty twelve, it's a practically a masterpiece. But Roland Emmerich is somebody who's like. He's somebody who would be really good in uh, recruitment or like middle management, and stuff. you know, like you see those people who wear the, the the types of suit they wear, and they've got some sort of office job where they're a bit of a dickhead. Where you go, okay, they're they're never gonna have felt a profound feeling in their entire life. <laughs> they're gonna like Radio One, superficial. Yeah, they're gonna think that. That Rylan is the funniest man little, alive. Yeah, you know? <laughs> Little Mix are actually a, a gen- genre, a generational <laughs> sort of a Patrick Bateman, like you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit harsh on Hugh Lewis in the news, isn't it? <laughs> just, just emotionally, spiritually constipated, devoid. <laughs> just, 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 just a waste. Uh, this derelict. Right. And anyway, so this film had that about it. It was just so vapid, and. Um, just, just little things that, like, you know, um, our one of our favourite, if not our favourite, film critic Mark Kermode talks about um, mm. chubby hmm moments. Um, the the film uh, about the carpenters. No, I don't, actually. So the film about the carpenters, and as you might know, what's her name, Karen Carpenter, she died yeah. after having an eating disorder, I anorexia, wasn't it? And yeah. so there's a bit apparently in that film where I think a critic says oh, she's mentions... chubby, and she goes chubby, yeah. hmm, and it's like. This is oh, let's right, okay. let's show the moment in history, and this film is like that. It's like I don't need all this 
queenie bollocks um, bullshit main plot <laughs> taking over the point. This, this whole point of this film is, oh, let's explore this thing. And um, and it's like, well, well it we, we can't not talk plot, about We it? can't not talk about Elizabeth. Oh, here's a Tudor rose. That's not really a thing, a Tudor rose. Like that. No, that is that, <laughs> By that. the way. I actually, I actually Googled it because I was like, I'm sure that's not real. That's not real. That's <laughs> but it's like, oh. I actually have in my search history now Tudor rose IRL. <laughs> Just in case I was like, what? Yeah. Is that a thing? Because that, it does, that is where, that is, I must admit, where you think an American and a German, yeah. neither have ever really lived in England, have, have just... Of like that, that, surely there must be. Yeah. and it's gate, it's gatekeeping <laughs> to say that this film that is no somebody's not allowed to make this film unless they're from you know England. But Roland Emmerich is not making the case <laughs> against that. You know, he's <laughs> just coming in. It might as well have been a Did Michael not... Bay film. This to me is close to Lucy <laughs> because Lucy wow, I thought was badly made. Out. Like looks really good in many ways, but is badly made and is based on such bollocks and bullshit and does not does not progress that I'm not saying necessarily that the idea that William Shakespeare is not who we thought he was and the author he thought he was but this film does not convince me this film because it's so stupid makes me so convinced that Shakespeare was the Shakespeare we know because I think if Roland Emmerich thinks he might not be then I disagree with him by default and therefore this is the <laughs> so most convincing evidence I have this is the most convincing evidence exactly this is the most convincing evidence <laughs> I have that Shakespeare is the man we know and I can just dismiss it like moon landings faked and Flat Earth and all that sort of stuff. This film is so unconvincing and incoherent, poorly done. I mean, you mentioned uh, before we started uh, recording about you know the the CGI. I don't blame it for that because it's not easy. Uh, it looks a bit shit uh, occasionally. There's too many characters because it's a historical thing. So they're like, well, we can't not mention Queen Elizabeth or whatever. But yeah, you can. Mm. Tell a fucking story. Tell one story that that you advertise. Don't tell some other mess. Yeah, I suppose this. Yeah, in fairness, this film, its hook is, oh, Shakespeare wasn't really Shakespeare. It was this other person. Yeah, I want to know that story. Anonymous. Yeah, but you don't really. But the story of him being the anonymous author of Romeo and Juliet and Hamlet mm. has nothing. No. Really, to it do tells with... you that in the first twenty minutes. It tells you who the real Shakespeare was, and it goes while you're here. Let's find out about this this actual Shakespeare. Oh, we've knocked the, this tart who was the queen and the blah blah blah. <laughs> like, do you think it would have been more interesting then if, say, the film was done from somebody's point of view, trying to figure out who the Earl of Oxford yeah, was? Yeah, massively. If that makes sense. If the film like is going to have like that a... hook, like you say, that's its USP. This yeah. film is going to explore that. It doesn't explore it. It tells you. Yeah, that's a fair point. Yeah, it looked, I mean, it does try and like equate some of the things that happen in his plays to real life way, like stabbing you know, Polonius behind the curtain. I mean, that that just felt yeah. like that was that was so shit. When he when he did that, I was like, oh yeah, I read Hamlet. I remember Polonius being stabbed behind the curtain. Oh well done. Yeah, you. Oh right, okay. That's like. Oh, I'm I'm, I'm happy to see where fucking Wolverine got his leather jacket from and why Solo is called Solo. Do you know what I mean? It's like... <laughs> Fair enough. Right, well, because we try and keep this to an hour, I'm going to, before we move to... Favorite so look scenes, out for my YouTube uh, video essay on this. It's going to be four yeah. hours. It'll be in six parts and uh, that'll be episode one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to move into the bit that I kind of really wanted to talk <laughs> the whole about, point quite frankly. Okay. Yeah, so the case for and against Shakespeare's 
authorship of of um, these plays. Yeah. So obviously, this film is the case against. Um, says, he was too poor and couldn't possibly have beauty well, in his there's, soul. There's, there's, well, there's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot to go on. I've like all those slave narratives. <laughs> of course, they, they have no beauty or spirit in them at all. Uh, humanity. <laughs> Like that book Donald Trump wrote. That's really beautiful, isn't it? Because <laughs> he's noble born. <laughs> oh dear, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, there you go. Right. So, Fucking essentially, the so the argument for the Earl of Oxford, Edward de Vere, being the author of of uh, Shakespeare's work, basically comes from a guy called J. Thomas. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, Loony, I'm yeah. going to say here, but it's spelled. It's loony. literally spelled. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is a loony theory. Um, yeah, who put forward that Devere wrote? You know, he, he wrote a book called um, Shakespeare Identified, and he said that Shakespeare was basically this guy, Edward Devere. Um, he was circumspect, basically, because, like you said, he didn't have the required learning or understanding of a number of subjects like court life and falconry to be able to write to such extent about the subject and some of the so so you know when it was about four four a.m. four four five o'clock in the morning and I was and just woken up and then... YouTube, I was just watching YouTube video you know I'd got you know I was deep into YouTube videos uh, one of the ones I watched was about was from a a, a lawyer in America who'd done extensive research into it and he basically said. He gave a list of all these subjects that uh, Shakespeare was basically really competent at. You know, like people have written books about his his competency into these mm. things. It was like medicine. One of them was like t- typography. <laughs> there was falconry, court life, all sorts of uh, gardening, all these different subjects. Um, and it was like, you know, how can a man of such limited education know about all these things but you know there's other so look when it comes to da- when it comes down to the argument against the man from so it's basically you've got you've got you've got pro Stratfordians and mm. anti Stratfordians is how they're 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 posited in the in the argument and basically the argument against comes down to I've got a list here that I'm gonna read out to you but it basically comes down to there's no documentary evidence that Shakespeare, William Shakespeare, was an actual, was a writer, mm-hmm. that he ever wrote anything. Um, he, his son-in-law, now this, I do, and these, this, this is why there is some, like, so if I'm, so, personally, I don't think Edward de Vere wrote Shakespeare's work. I just, it doesn't work for me. It also, I think this it is almost like when Stratford. people are like, um, well, you know, where did the universe come from? It must be God. Well, then you go, well, where did God come from? It's like, or, you know, I'm sure I've heard Carl Pilkins say God. something like, you know, there's some things that are so clever, it must have been, you know, some alien from another planet. And it's like, well, why can't it just be somebody was brilliant, you know? Uh, and yeah. and it, why go, well, it, that person can't be brilliant. It must have been this other person who was brilliant. And sorry to cut in, but um, as you know, but the listeners no, no, know, we, we had a bit of a delay today while my laptop was uh, trying to update. And I did watch a little 20 minute video of a, of a man who was not very happy about this film. And uh, he, yeah, he said, well, you know, the fact that he mentions Denmark and France and all those places doesn't mean he knows about them. He said there were lions in France. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's things Maybe he, he didn't just know. There's Leon in France. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't know everything. Yeah, but so that's my personal view on it, and I've not, I've not seen anything that changes that. Mm. No evidence that they provide is concrete enough to be like it was definitely not 
William yeah. Shakespeare. And I think um, Ian McKellen was on Mark Maron the other year, and he have you seen? Have you read that? He you know it's wonderful. I mean. I'd include it in this episode. It's about five minutes long, so I'll link it on social media and, and in the description. He he reads from a play that was co-penned from Shakespeare and a few others. It's yeah. so beautiful. It's about um, people. Basically, people are complaining about foreigners coming over here, and it's just a wonderful speech that's pro-immigrant, basically. And it was, yeah. and he said it's the. It was actually found with that Shakespeare signed it. It's the only one that was written in his hand, or at least it was signed by him. Uh, and like I say, it was co-penned along with other people. But you know, it's four fucking hundred years ago, so of course there's not going to be many written documents, and uh, and it's yeah, it's not it's not compelling evidence to see that there's there's no evidence for it doesn't mean there's evidence I mean, against it I, I mean like in terms of the t- the time difference whilst it's a factor it's not a bigger factor as you might think yeah like relatively speaking 400 years ago isn't that long ago in terms of um, but a lot of ink doesn't last on paper evidence. that long yeah but if it's on vellum mm. it depends what it's written on um, but there is copies of the first folio still existing yeah you know, I think one of them sold for millions it would. the other yeah. year. Uh, yeah. uh, I think there's a few there's of them. A similar one. I'd love to take credit for this and pretend that I can. Actually, in fact, one of them was found not so long back in America, of all places. Oh, yeah. Where, where yeah. he, he summoned he, in America quite a lot, I think. <laughs> no, he, did. Sorry. he didn't. Uh, I said he summoned in America oh, quite a lot. Oh, yeah. um, no, so I'd love yeah, to take credit yeah. for this point, but it was actually in the video that I watched. Chasing where he, uh, he said that you know the the opening this is this is where it reminded me of Lucy actually the opening speech by Derek Jacobi as much as I was taken in by that as intrigued by that um, he says you know in his will he doesn't mention any of the players and it's like well he didn't own any of the players the 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 theatres did <laughs> so he doesn't actually have a legal right over them and it reminded me of that Morgan Freeman speech in Lucy about well of course we only mm-hmm. use 10% of our brains and, uh, uh, cerebral capacity <laughs> and I was like you know if you're taken in by it that helps the film but then as soon as you yeah. actually explore it it's bullshit and it, it all falls apart well here we go anyway so so as I said I've got my own view that essentially the, the evidence isn't strong enough yeah. but at the same time from a purely academic point of view, from a non-partisan point of view, from a historical point of view, needing evidence, an evidence-based sort of, um, you know, it has to be evidence-based to be able to produce a verdict, yeah, so to speak, course. and whether Shakespeare did or didn't offer these. There is enough circumstantial evidence that they give to say, you know, there's, there's, enough, to, there's enough to at least want to have an academic inquiry mm. for a little bit of doubt. So I'll go through some of them. So, as I said, no documentary evidence of this the man William Shakespeare ever being a writer. Uh, his son-in-law, who was a prolific diarist, um, never mentions that his father-in-law was a was a writer. Now that might be yeah, he doesn't mention his dad, his dad-in-law was <laughs> a writer, but you know maybe he didn't mention other yeah. things. But it turns out he very much mentioned when he met another another writer or author or right. something like this. I can't remember I mean, what the name didn't of the guy was, but he, he, wanted, he didn't want to think about him in his time. You know, it's uh, but to the fact that you like, I, the fact that he met a playwright and then didn't mention that his father-in-law was 
William Shakespeare, <laughs> <laughs> like the best pl- playwright. But that's of another the age. thing. Actors talk about a lot, like that. Like Dwayne Johnson talks about when he's watching Moana with his daughter and he's singing along, saying, yeah. "No, that that is actually me." She goes, "Please stop singing, Daddy. <laughs> I want to listen to Moana. <laughs> you know, I want to listen to the actual <laughs> film." Hugh Laurie was out yeah. um, with his dad and his mum, and uh, his his dad was rowing around, and Hugh Laurie, as a child, says, "Does he even know how to row?" And he's got an Olympic medal <laughs> for rowing. <laughs> you know, like like children don't always see the achievements of their parents as being significant basically no but you think father son-in-law might have a bit more wherewithal yeah, I'm not um, convinced but, but yeah, yeah it's interesting but it is but it, it is unusual it is, yeah, yeah. that is kind of strange but um, what's more likely the whole thing's a conspiracy or you just didn't get on with him and didn't want to mention him I, in his I think it's I think it's a bit let's weird let's get out Occam's razor and slice yeah. through this I mean even if you Occam razor it's why would you mention another playwright, but not your? Because it's a dismantling person. Is you know again, he might not get on with him. He might not get on with Shakespeare. I mean, for all we know, the diary where he meets him might not exist. It might have been destroyed. Yeah, or exactly. Lost to time. Exactly. Not Maybe exactly. he's got a whole new series um, coming out in the for Christmas, all about his relationship with his father-in-law. The William Shakespeare. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's yeah that's the bestseller this this winter. Um, so yeah, as I said, so we're going to go with this from just purely like evidence based, you know, documentation. Um, so a woman called Dinah Price, um, she basically went and did a document analysis to try and find examples of where people refer to Shakespeare as a writer, and she was using like evidence of education evidence uh, being paid to write being mentioned by other writers and um, she came up with 10 pieces of like like uh, 10 tools or whatever you want to call them that they needed to these criteria they needed to fulfill and so she went and looked at 24 uh, Elizabethan authors like Marlowe and um, Nash Johnson Nash yeah Um, who was the other one there was another one that I can't remember but yeah now some of them obviously like a few of them had all ten pieces were mentioned. Some it was like sevens and sixes and eights. Um, Marlowe only had three bits of information, but there was nothing that mentioned Shakespeare as a writer whatsoever. Right. Now that is unusual, even for a four hundred year old um, person, even if they're low born and all this sort of stuff. So that that I mean, I must admit, to me that was that's a bit of a red flag. I'll be honest. There's enough credence to it that they can make films about it and we don't know definitively either way. Do you feel it matters? Well, that's a different story. That's a different thing altogether, isn't it? I think... think, We'll answer that question in a bit. Let's go through it and then we'll talk about that, I think. All right. Yeah, because that is part of this. Um, Yeah, I mean, there's famously his daughters were illiterate according to what they think. Uh, yeah. Based on signatures that they've signed, I mean, they were with. probably in Stratford while he was off hypoloing in London. Yeah, I'm going to be I'm going to be devil's advocate the whole time and just oh yeah, no, pro, that's fine. Pro Shakespeare is not fake Shakespeare. Yeah, I mean, fake, fake Shakespeare. does that mean when I do the four, then you're going to go anti? <laughs> yeah, I think on. it's an anti-Hugh bias I've got. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> when I love you with the Roland Emmerich, whatever he believes. Fuck yeah, him. <laughs> the, the opposite. Yeah, so like now I say for that though. Like, that were different times. Do you know what I mean? First different times. Maybe that wasn't yeah. what young women of a certain class, they didn't have to be literate. If you found Neil Gaiman's... If you found out Neil Gaiman's daughters were illiterate, you go, well, that's so much going on here. Yeah. <laughs> but 
It was 400 years ago. I don't know what the literacy rate was, but it was not It was not 90%. <laughs> no, uh, it wasn't even close to that. No. <laughs> um, and again, he's a playwright, so perhaps, you know, they don't need to be able to read it to see his work. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. That's yeah. a valid argument. So, so what, they don't read his sonnets? Well, and again, you... they probably don't. Like again, most actors, they'll say, "Oh, you know, do you, do you, do your children love it that you're acting?" They go, "They, they hate my stuff. They never watch my films." <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's not, it's not uncommon for the children of an esteemed creative, yeah, to not give a shit about <laughs> their parents' yeah. outcome because it's I, their parent, it's their yeah, dad's I mean, outcome. Do you really want you, you know, do you really want your kids reading your love? <laughs> Unless they're going to make a really successful podcast about the porno <laughs> erotica, then no, yeah. you don't. <laughs> I wrote Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> um, it was a little bit. Have you ever seen The Doors? The film. The film, yeah. No, I think I've watched bits of it. I think I watched bits of it with you, actually, and Joe. Quite possibly, yeah. Joe loves it, and, and I've watched it a few times. And there's a bit where Ray Manzarek, I think it is, he's, he's, he's on the... Um, what is it for the? Is it for break on through or like my fire? Uh, you know the da 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 And he's like, oh, I'm gonna try this little. I'm gonna try this little thing. Oh, I think I've got it. It's like, yeah, I've I've tossed off this play. It's an iambic pentameter. It's called Romeo and Juliet, and the audience is supposed to go, ooh, I know that one. This film is made for people who. I haven't read Shakespeare since school. <laughs> <laughs> they know the hits. Yeah. He's not going to mention Coriolanus. Yeah, yeah. Trusted, what is it? Troilus and Cressida. and Cressida, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, so there's no manuscripts of Shakespeare survive of his work. Yeah. Um, which is, yeah. I mean, the Globe did actually burn down, though, didn't it? Yeah. Um, so, there's a monument in Stratford upon Avon that was erected in memory of Shakespeare. And on it, it's got a little, it's like a little, I don't, there's a technical name, but it's like, it's like a little like frames, like, th- it's like a 3D painting almost. Um, yeah. It's like, a sculpture. you see the chest, it's like the chest <laughs> upwards. It's like, it's almost a, like a, a bust. portrait. Yeah, it's like a bust, it's like a portrait. And it's got Shakespeare there and he's got a pen or he's got a quill and he's got a bit of paper. The classic skullet. Classic, yeah, and um, yeah, the classic skullet, and he's got he's like resting on a pillar. But then apparently that 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 uh, sculpture, that that monument is um, it's the old version. That's the new version that was done in the seventeen hundreds, in the mid seventeen hundreds, and the original one doesn't have him with a pen and paper. It just has him with um, what looks like a sack of like grain or um, <laughs> something else. Yeah, so he's just so. a renowned local businessman for selling grain. Yeah, well, that's um, that's literally in all pending. like his legal documents. That's what he comes across as as yeah. somebody who was a somebody who sold grain and stuff like that. Um, yeah, so that's that is yeah, he's that is strange. Now back to the point we were saying about you know we were talking about the literacy of his daughters based on the signatures. He's got like famously you'll have seen it the, the like the different signatures that he has. Mm. And they're quite. They're not. They're not the best, are they? They're not in the. They're not great quality. <laughs> then, but they're not. But then, so you might go, well, that's just that person. Maybe somebody else wrote it for him at the time, and they they claim to be him. Um, so with that, what you get is essentially there's you, when you compare him to like people like Ben Johnson and um, Samuel Pepys and all this, his signature's really messy. It's really scruffy. The other ones are all very legible and you can tell who mm. they are. So there, there is a bit of a strangeness there that are basically saying, well, this guy might have been semi-literate. 
you know, barely. His work was also 3,000 times more beautiful than theirs. You know, like, he's not an ordinary person by any stretch. It's not, and, and, and this is all, this is all, like, piecemeal convincing, where you go, well, it's weird, it's weird to have one of these things, but it's weird to have all these things combined. But we are looking at it through 21st century eyes. Our idea of what a signature is is different, presumably, to what their idea of a signature is. Mm, not really. It's... And our idea of literacy is different to what their idea of literacy that is. That definitely and, is true. You know, he, he could be just—he could be this massive dyslexic who's never written a word himself, but who's, what, who's like, um, um, but who's, you know, whose wife wrote this, or you know, whatever. Yeah. Like he told this to his friend because he's dictated he beautiful words. He dictated it to his secretary, to Lynn, his secretary, who's yeah. on nine and a half thousand pounds a year. And, um, <laughs> but back you then know, and, she would have been rich. <laughs> and then again, yeah, and nine pound now nine and a half pounds a year would have been all right. Um, <laughs> yeah, like it. Yeah, I know what it's you're not enough. It's not enough, but it is interesting. It is interesting, you know, it is and interesting. it's when you add them all together. I think that's where yeah. the interest comes. Um, that's why people spend time in prison un- unlawfully and wrongly because uh, there was enough circumstantial evidence. Everyone, yeah, probably they probably did. <laughs> <laughs> he's so, probably not credited with the greatest writing. Of so the, earlier uh, we were talking years. about books, weren't we? Uh, sorry, we were talking about the will and how oh, yeah. he left no. So he left no. So for a man who's clearly, you know, meant to be highly intelligent, a genius, quite frankly, that he doesn't leave any books in his will. Now they're at this time were such prized possessions you know it's famously you know it says in the film his second favourite bed you know that yeah what's the name Caroline Duffy wrote the second second best bed only the second best bed in Ireland <laughs> <laughs> um, so I do find it strange that he didn't leave these things but then again if his daughters were illiterate <laughs> but, and, and also like said, our view those... of a will and testament is different to their view of a will and testament this isn't how you know, so well, like, you would know that there's legalese and there's fine print and there's you have to be mm. so thorough in your will and all this sort of stuff. Like, he would know that things go automatically to people. And, and also, he did Did he know he was going to die soon? He was only 50, in his 50s. You he know, was 52 or 3. I don't know how many 52-year-olds have got their will in order and that it's, it's perfect to scrutiny centuries later. Like, yeah. it is odd but maybe he just told a friend of his oh you can have all my books or maybe he didn't have books because he didn't care for books like again it's I mean it's it'd odd. be strange it would be strange of a man of his his erudition and his intelligence not to own books but maybe he's just a bit make weird maybe he's just a bit maverick you know there's, there's people who don't care about books oh, and there's people who read books and like, would so his, so his version of not having a phone is not having books yeah maybe. <laughs> the, the 16th century equivalent <laughs> I'm not on Facebook I don't I don't even have a bible <laughs> you know maybe he gave away books as soon as he read them he was like oh I've read that I'll give them away that's just a little quirk oh you know you know Bill he's the guy who gives away his books as soon as he's read them um, potentially and you know, did, ever, I, did people I, generally leave their books in their yeah, way yeah 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 they were quite because they, they were quite expensive to make and mm. stuff like that so if he did maybe he just didn't own it maybe he couldn't afford them maybe, maybe he not updated his bill, wills you know I mean, his bill will he seemed he seemed rich enough to be able to have books that's um, that's what I'm saying I suppose and the suspicion is that it's not like he's somebody who died destitute and unpublished and that's why there's all these problems he was successful yeah. in his life and he was clearly a successful grain merchant as well yeah, yeah well that's it and like you know maybe there's yeah. not enough money in the in the arts maybe maybe he pissed off a lot of patrons and or, or you know like um, it is it's, money it's just incongruent stuff, isn't yeah. it it just doesn't for the for the work we have and the the like 
the, for the work we have and for the kind of the person that would create these works you would expect them to have literate daughters you would expect them to have books of plenty you'd expect there to be documentary evidence like there's no like my f- I've got two more points to make for the against it being Shakespeare so there's like there's no surviving letters mm. now I find that believable that can happen yeah do you know what I mean yeah. Who, like but, not everyone keeps letters I know it's you, a different time you, and you know what not but but you would half expect a man who spent half his time in London and the other half in Stratford that he would have sent a lot of letters yeah. and I bet there was a lot of correspondence but again but you for know, whatever reason they've not survived Einstein didn't want anybody to study his brain after he died and Shakespeare maybe said 30 seconds well then the guy stole it literally yeah. stole it and then kept it in a literally. coffee jar for about 20 not years not figuratively and um, you know maybe Shakespeare didn't want his letters kept because he thought well I'm a successful writer don't want them yeah. poured over maybe he killed a man and it was in his letters or like, like CJ guilt. from um, Eggheads and he mentioned it in his autobiography. He uh, talked about knocking a man off a bridge in France or something and uh, not knowing if he died or not. <laughs> and he was like, <laughs> the police asked okay. him about it. <laughs> well, that's a, that's a very random So maybe maybe segue. maybe old Bill was learning from CJ sort of retroactively. Right, maybe, maybe. Yeah. So, I mean, when you put it all together, and there's no, there's no evidence that he went to school, like grammar school, there's actually no... But then for this one, this one's quite easy to say to knock off and go well whatever uh, that doesn't make a difference yeah, because exactly. there's no evidence well not that but there's no evidence that uh, no records from that time survive of any of the pupils but there is no so which yeah fair enough but there is nobody from that time who said they went to school with William Shakespeare yeah. that's a bit strange but not many scholars you know, if, of today have interviewed many people from the 17th century or 16th centuries 16th yeah but it's a bit but it is a bit strange that no one went, oh yeah, those famous plays, oh yeah, my, that, I was mates with him at school. How many people, were qu- I mean, like that is a complete, we are just based on look as to whether or not we have those accounts, so aren't we? Like, if, he yeah. were, if, 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 if we were talking in, tw- in 500 years from now, 400 years from now, and we're talking about a man in the 21st century who didn't have a paper trail, essentially, that would be mm. so weird. But yeah. schools did not have records and databases they had records but they didn't have databases that would stand the test of time the the absence of evidence is not evidence of an absence you know that sort of thing well so let's go on to the fours for it being Shakespeare because you know we're nearly an hour in and we still got a lot to get through tonight scenes and shots (laughs) and and line yeah yeah. so you've literally hit the nail on the head the what is it the the um, the what was it the absence of evidence isn't the evidence of absence exactly so that I think ultimately this all kind of rests upon that premise that yeah. we don't have these things that we would have expected to have. The burden Therefore, of proof is on those who don't think he really yeah. wrote them, and you have to give you have to give evidence that somebody else did. And if it's Earl of Oxford, you have to give suitable evidence. And a, and a lot of the stuff for it being Edward de Vere is that the things that he wrote about are things that happen. So essentially, what what the argument against it is is that um, Loney he he went. And thought, oh well, I can't. I, don't, I can't believe a man from Stratford, a low-born, you know, normal guy <laughs> who had a grammar school education, that he could write such about such things. Mm. I think that it was somebody else. I'll go find a candidate who lines yeah. up to these things. So to so to have his work have biblical, you know, biographical um, influences, and De Vere fit that that profile. Yeah. Now, if it just happened to be somebody else, then he would have been somebody else. And I mean, look, you can make the argument the things that the things that he talks about 
are things that maybe De Vere, you know, De Vere famously did go to Italy and had visited there and um, things like that. Like, yeah, fair enough. He knows these places, he knows these things better than, say, a man who'd never left England would know. Mm. But like you said, you know, no one's going, well, did he go to Denmark? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. had he even been to Scotland? It doesn't mention Aalborg. <laughs> it just it just says Denmark, Denmark. as a prince yeah. and things are rotten in Denmark. It's not like yeah. they're landmarks and stuff, you know. Again, he could, like, whoever wrote Shakespeare undoubtedly was a genius. Yeah. So he could have, yeah. he could maybe... Even he if it's a team of ten people... What a committee that is. Fucking hell. <laughs> to come with that. <laughs> but yeah, like, he could read a book on geography and then, or the book the book on geography of Italy, and then yeah. he just knows. It gives you enough to know Verona's there yeah. and there's streets with buildings yeah. on them. <laughs> yeah. And there's lions um, in France, as we know, we've established. Obviously, definitely lots true. of lions. Yeah. You, can't, yeah. oh, you can't move from <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know, if you've been, you'll have seen them. Um, yeah, so it's like, that kind of there is a so there is a snobbery to it, isn't there? Yeah. Um, so yeah, but no man. So we said we need. So what I was, you know, the the dispassionate, unbiased opinion is we want evidence, 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 yeah. written evidence. Give me documents. That's what I am. I'm a historian. I need documents. Yeah. And there's no document. There's no manuscripts for De Vere saying. Yeah. He uh, he wrote this. No letters going. Oh, I wrote Romeo and Juliet, but shh, don't tell anyone. <laughs> you know, there's nothing like that. Um, you know, we already mentioned it that the argument is the absence of evidence is exactly. evidence itself. If you put not. this to a jury and you said, so there's a criminal um, level of tolerance for doubt and there's a civil, the criminal is beyond reasonable doubt. I don't yeah. think it's beyond reasonable doubt that Shakespeare wrote it. If it was a civil case and it was on the balance of probabilities, you might get a jury who would say, actually, probably didn't because there's enough circumstantial evidence. Accredited, accumulated that would say yeah okay maybe he didn't there's enough doubt in my mind that he didn't uh, we've seen 12 angry men you know how the jury works mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. you know uh, and, and and but ultimately as we, as I said earlier I, it's like wondering about if Socrates existed you know well so Let's get. I'll do some more of the falls anyway, so you can make a rounded judgment. So yeah, Shakespeare. He was an actor. It doesn't take much of a stretch to think an actor would then be a playwright as well. We did Ides of March recently. Yes, we did. We did. Uh, you know, it seems snobbish that only a gentleman of the upper class could write such a wonderful work it's, it's, and have it's knowledge horrible of country and life evil and of you, I of think. I think it's a horrible view. Yeah. And you yeah. know, Charles Dickens. I'll just say Charles Dickens. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Or, or you know, I'll say like Toni Morrison wrote a beautiful, several uh, yeah. beautiful slave narratives without necessarily having to have a wonderful education. Or I mean, I mean, look at uh, you look at Shakespeare himself. I mean, he doesn't have the experience of being a black man, does he? <laughs> Fighting the Turks for the Venetians, but you know, he managed to write a, a wonderful account of what it's like to have people doubt yeah, you. Yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's horrible. And there's something insidious about it. The idea that education yeah. is what you need to be that brilliant. Yeah. And again, like universities at this time were more like places like for postgraduates would be today. They're, they're like, for you know, it'd be people who wanted to be doctors and people yeah. who wanted to be lawyers would go to university. So, and, and then his grammar school education would have been enough. And, and you know, what? I'd love to, I'd love to compare um, if you got the top 50 playwrights or the top 50, whatever creative 
authors or whatever and you put them in two columns those who had training in that sort of thing and those who didn't and i would mm. i would highly suspect that those who didn't would outweigh the other you know i think it's more likely to be the stephen kings who drop out get a job and just fucking write <laughs> yeah know? just do the work yeah, yeah. i mean because you have to really know people that's what shakespeare like it's beautiful words yeah. and he's got a fantastic vocabulary but he just really knew people and you would get that from having a shitty <laughs> life or let's say not a noble life that's just handed on a plate to you yeah he um th- th- that's a great argument again about education is simply well he would the things he wrote about, like so some of the mistakes that Shakespeare himself made were somebody who clearly had some classical education, but not a hundred percent like he went to university he went to grammar school, but he wasn't of uh, Yeah. And the type the, the clues in the name, it's called a grammar school. <laughs> it's pretty good <laughs> yeah. grammar. And it's you know pretty the, the, evident, what, what we see what is what we is the, the cleaned up version, you know, the without the spelling yeah. mistakes. Well, what might be spelling mistakes? Yeah, and what we don't look at the manuscripts, do we? Yeah, we look at the York notes and uh, maybe watch that Leo <laughs> DiCaprio notes, film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. What else? I mean, the big one I always think were was. I mean, the Earl of Oxford died in 1604 and Shakespeare didn't die till Yeah, Hamlet came out in 08, I think, yeah, so... Yeah, there was 10 plays by Shakespeare released after his death. Now, again, Obviously, posthumously, blah, blah, blah. It, yeah, I mean, if he was so prolific, I mean, Shakespeare was prolific, let's be mm. frank, he, um... It is this whole oeuvre of work that he could have released and he could have kept going and still, you know, have this upstart crow was pretending to be this guy. Yeah. He could have done it for years and years. And, you know, it's like I said, they got, the people who believe in the Oxfordian or the anti-Stratfordian sort of narrative is they look at little bits and pieces here and there and there's there's like a line in a book where it says, or in like, a, where they use a term that people, it was like they were saying, oh, he posthumously published this. You know, there was something, I can't remember the specific term. I, mean, I can check if you want, if, the, if yeah, you're that first. But it, but it is literally like this. This word means that. Oh, they're talk. And this was like something. I think it was on like the quartet or or quattro um, poems. And it was like Mm. the words they use are like. Oh well, this would have only been. This word would have only been used if um, if he was dead. It was something that people used to say when somebody had passed away. So that, and that was obviously before Shakespeare had died. But in, they could have just been using that term. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it, this is this not... is such a digression, but I just I need to talk, I need to mention this. Um, the way that people use words when it's written down, it's not necessarily what they thought they were saying when they said it. Yeah, it's what you read. I have a friend from school who was a leader of the Young Conservative Party for Oh yeah, Yorkshire. and he this. he sent out an, a memo, an email, or something like that to his. Underlings, we say, of the young, the leader of the young yeah. conservatives, um, that was basically saying we should be really hard on, sent, hard on. <laughs> uh, see on, people not meaning what they say. Sending, <laughs> we should send lots of pamphlets and leaflets, basically, about this campaign yeah. or whatever. And he yeah. said we should be a veritable sonic commando. And he, as a sort of still like, fucking stupid, yeah, like he knew a bit of German. I think wanted to use the word veritable. He was what seven, seventeen or something. Now. He thought, because the German for that is special force or special command, he yeah. thought that's what he wanted. You know, like, we're going to be this super crack team. 
yeah. as you probably know as a historian, that in the yeah. in the death camps and concentration camps, that was yes. Jewish people who were charged with yeah. cleaning up bodies of other you know Jewish people. Yeah. And um, the Daily Mirror ran with the story, "You little Nazi boy," and it ruined yeah. his political career before it started. And he wrote a great article in the Spectator about it. Um, he didn't intend that the way that it was read, <laughs> and that's a massive digression. But I just I felt like it's been a year since I've talked about that story to anyone. So yeah. Um, yeah, people people write things in a different way to the way they yeah. uh, it's read. Um, so bring it back to the the final bit of evidence. Mm. Like, give it to Marlow me. Marlow and Johnson were both from humble backgrounds. There you go, um, smashed it, nailed it. <laughs> but nobody ever questions like yeah. their credentials because no they're like, not well. How could as they enduring as as Shakespeare? Yeah, yeah, they're always lumped in with Shakespeare. Yeah, they're always people of that time, aren't they? Yeah, you know, that yeah, kind yeah. of a way. Um, and look, like. Based on the documentary evidence, it is kind of hard to say Shakespeare wrote it because there's no evidence that he was a writer. But there's people saying that William Shakespeare wrote these plays. Yeah, Johnson says he wrote these. That evidence is more compelling than the aggregation of all these small pieces. Why? I mean, in 1623, why would you be that bothered to say that it was William Shakespeare who wrote these things? You know, nearly 20, 19 years after the Earl of Oxford died. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know. The, the argument I've seen put, postulated for that is basically, oh, well, his grandkids were still alive. It's like, <laughs> so fucking what? Well. Yeah. You know, his yeah. son and daughter, his daughters were still alive, and it's trying to show deference to that because they still would have been a bit of a scandal that this person... Yeah, and, and again, it's... it's and maybe that factors into why Shakespeare hasn't been mentioned as the playwright or as a writer because it might have been seen as you know, a, a lowbrow thing for him to do and being yeah. this grain merchant as seen as a respectable job. It's we, like we if, simply don't know the human he could have been life gone, sorry. That, that was around these players. You know, we just don't know the relationship. Like, it can be as simple as you marry somebody, they don't want you to do something, so you don't do it publicly. Like, it's, think of it this way. Like, if the world's greatest porn star decided <laughs> that like, their partner or their husband or their children wasn't very proud of what they did, so they, they focused on their business achievements. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, it was like a, she was well, a successful Mia Khalifa never existed. That's not really her. It's just a series of different women. <laughs> Who's this? Who did you say? Some porn star. I don't know. I've oh. thought of a name. Uh, you just made up one. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a real podcast. You, you know, listen, you know who I'm talking about. You know exactly <laughs> who I'm talking about. I didn't hear who you, you know her inside and out. And out. Um, <laughs> so what, what I'd like to do, and that, that's all your points on the on the uh, for and against column, I assume. Yeah. yeah. So what that's I just, yeah. and we are well over time, but you know what? This is Let's a podcast. Keep, We're not yeah, fitting to a radio slot. This can be yeah. three hours if we want, listener. It it's up to <laughs> us, and you can listen or you don't have to. What I really want to do, Hugh, is. Um, what is no? What does Shakespeare mean to you? Are you a, are you a big fan, or is it just like a yeah, I get it, but not really? What well, does it mean to you? You asked, you asked the question earlier. Is it important? Yeah, is it does important? it matter? Now, superficially, I would say no. It's not important. It doesn't matter who wrote these works, does it? Because it's the it's the content, not the yeah the character. It could have been wanted. Hitler, and it wouldn't matter. In terms of on the page, <laughs> it might have mattered if it, it would colour it if you didn't, you but know, is, it'd be hard are, to forget. But there are people, you know, who famously were terrible people who've yep. done great works of art. I mean, some Renaissance artists, masters were murderers. Caravaggio murdered <laughs> and again, man. doesn't matter, doesn't change yeah. what he did, you know, like. Or great political leaders, you know, Winston Churchill was responsible for a famine in India that might kill a million yeah. people, but he's not. The, you know, the he's Indian not seen as a Hitler, murderer, is he? 
but uh, yeah. the English Jesus. <laughs> Somehow. Yeah. Um, so no, superficially, I don't think it matters. Now, one thing that must be mentioned actually is that there's a thing called stylistic analysis right. that they do using computers where they compare the word structure and sentence I structure. See, yeah. Not the word structure, sentence structure of how somebody writes, essentially. You can figure out if you wrote a play or yeah. you wrote yeah, a piece yeah. of work, given enough You can just say, oh, this is probably a, this is probably a new Shakespeare one I found in the drawer. Yeah, and that, I mean, that would be the way they would... I mean, the fact is that there was people who wrote stuff who then attributed it as Shakespeare and the stuff that, and they've done the stylistic analysis and gone, no, that's clearly not Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. So, and it, through that, they've seen that, yes, the person, it was this, it was one person who wrote the majority. Yes, yeah. there is, there are some collaborations and they think that one of the people he collaborated with was Christopher Marlowe, right. one of the players. So that, that's how good theirs kind of analysis can be, that mm-hmm. they can be like, yes, this is one guy who did all this. Oh, and the bits that he didn't do was somebody else and we think we know who that is as well yeah which is quite impressive is it and fantastic yeah and and the fact is with shakespeare because there's so much shakespeare they're able to analyze much more of it you know the way mm-hmm. of evidence towards him is higher than everybody else because he's you know very you know very few people in human history have such critical eyes set upon him yeah. you, know, <laughs> you, could, you can fill libraries with works yeah and analysis of shakespeare yeah i mean so yeah, for me, no, personally, it wouldn't... Like, look, if you said to me tomorrow, if you brought out, like I said, you brought out a manuscript that said, uh, you know, will, you know, Romeo and Juliet by um, Edward de Vere, first mm. 17th Earl of Oxford, you know, 17, not 17, 6, uh, whatever, 1593. Yeah. You know, IRL, I did this, me, here's a picture <laughs> of me writing it. Here's I also invented the photograph. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Side note. <laughs> <laughs> and like IRL. When, like, the, <laughs> like the subject matter and the way he treats common people yeah. you know, or people who are up with mobile, mobile, to me, yeah, I mean, I must admit, I am kind of like, yeah, I could believe that a man of noble heritage, of a noble rank wrote this because he's writing about the things he knows and he was able to, you know, he did travel around Italy and he was kind of privy to a lot of the things that you know, Shakespeare writes about. So I wouldn't be shocked if it turned out that it was somebody else. Yeah. But at the same time, is it important who it is? Yes, yeah, it is. Because like you said, genius, you know, can come from anywhere. And, you know, as I said earlier, Shakespeare's a genius. Mm. He is. There's no doubt in it. He is the greatest playwright in the English language. Is it important to you, the reader slash viewer? That what that he's like this who man of humble it? origin. Yeah, it feels important. I mean, look, we wouldn't be sat here for an hour talking about it, would we? If it wasn't important. Well, but I suspect that this podcast probably isn't as important as the legacy of Shakespeare. I mean, I don't want to be too <laughs> premature on that. But no, so yeah. to get more personal, I mean, are you a fan of Shakespeare? Oh yeah, yeah. I think he's amazing. Yeah, the guy's a. I've said it already three to this third time. He's a genius. He's a literary genius. <laughs> I've, re- I've, I mean, you know, you, you've done A level literature yourself. You do a lot of, you do a lot of reading, and I read a lot of good writers in that period. I read um, Wuthering Heights, which is again close, close as poetry as you can get in prose, and it's not, it's not got a scratch on Shakespeare. <laughs> you know, we did, um, we did some of the. Uh, 
Canterbury Tales and we had to read some uh, of it in the original old Middle English. Yeah, the homework is always translate this before you get to lesson <laughs> and then we'll yeah. read a page. <laughs> yeah, and that'll be that for the day, yeah, for <laughs> yeah. the hour. It's basically German. Yeah. If you're doing German, you'll benefit. <laughs> yeah, and it's good and it's clever and it's smart and it's well written and it's poetic, but it's not... Doesn't make you feel much, does it? It's not Othello, is it? This it's is not... the problem with this. To go back to the film that we're ostensibly reviewing is this film yeah. made me feel nothing at any yeah. stage. Um, and I'm not asking the film to be Shakespeare, but if you're going to be about Shakespeare, I want to feel something. And it was just called Shakespeare. And for me, yeah. Do you think quite possibly that the the, the, the character, the man Shakespeare, is nowhere near as interesting as the things he wrote? Well, certainly sense. in this fucking film, Jesus. <laughs> but also, also, what, what did, what's the actor's name? Um, he's called Sebastian Armesto. He was yeah. so generic, and that voice he was putting on. I liked him. I thought it was really good. It was so thick. It's, it's like when you see um, Aidan Gillen putting his real Irish voice. It looks like <laughs> he's trying really hard. No, you you you, you must. I, I know the, the listener can't hear, can't see me do this, but you, you mustn't go there. And um, I'm going to spend two and a half hours talking like this, and we're going to pretend that this is how I would probably normally speak. Looking at me physically, you would go, "Yes, this is how he speaks." He's, <laughs> and, and it's so. Oh, it took. And he's he's just very. Very generic, very it's, Michael Bay yeah. film generic. He's there's an actor. He reminds me of a different actor, and I thought it was an actor, and I can't remember who it is. Taron Egerton, maybe or something. But I love no, Taron Egerton. No, this guy's got no charisma. It was. He's a bit like Dominic Cooper. Yeah, he is a bit like Dominic Cooper, but it's somebody else, and I can't remember it is now. That's going to bug me. Let's, anyway, uh, let's have three minutes what, of dead air while we what, figure it out. <laughs> I mean, so yeah, so to, again, the 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 question of authorship. To you, does does it matter? It doesn't in the slightest. It really doesn't because it is just. Even if we found out it's a committee of great writers, I would love for the, whoever wrote them to be credited properly. But for the enjoyment of the thing, it that's that's so by the by, you know. And if you get into something, and it's, it's something like you know, when you listen to the the Hamlet to be or not to be soliloquy, you've heard it a million mm. times, or at least the first quarter of it a million times that it becomes mm. becomes meaningless to you and I didn't know until I studied that that it meant to live or not to live to kill yourself or not because if you what kill did you yourself think it meant? <laughs> well I just I didn't think about it you right. know it's so it it's so ubiquitous noise. it's just like to be or not to be oh yeah that sounds yeah. Uh, people say that um you know the idea it's like you know if you kill yourself you might end up going to hell basically there's the rub and <laughs> and it's beautiful and I never fully appreciate it until until yeah. with Neil and I you know when he's saying right, it at the end, of, and it's and it's so beautiful. And then there's a, I've been to the cinema a lot um, over lockdown or mid lockdown so when cinemas are open. And there's a there's an advert about prostate cancer, and it's that speech. And it's you know, oh no, it's not that speech. It's it's the I have of of late, but wherefore I know not lost all my mirth. And it's you know, but what mm. is uh, this to me but a um, quintessence of dust? And this this is just this beautiful thing. This is the speech that um, Withnail gives. Actually, it's not the to be or not to be speech. You know, um, the, uh, the the whatever the golden canopy fretted with golden fires or whatever. I, I've completely forgot it all. Yeah. But that, mean, that's even more beautiful than that. And it, I think and it's so I think, oh, unbelievable. I think if you did make it a you know a landed gentleman, I mean, this film goes out of its way aggressively to be like here's his education yeah. in in Greek and Latin and all that and I think there is a bit of the magic taken away from the work if it turns out that it is just some 
hoity-toity girl. But again, it's not, it's, not an explanation. it's not an explanation. It's not an exploration as to if he did it or what or not. It's just, yeah. this is the alternative view that is a conspiracy theory that I'm going to treat as the truth and try and give a plausible backstory to it. That ends I mean, up just being, well, I've got to throw some action in there, so let's have a bullshit hmm. fight in a maze. When I saw that, I was like, who the <laughs> fuck is this guy? And why? I genuinely couldn't, couldn't follow that at all. Why? You know, that was... Yeah. That was a rolling memory. That was like, you know, let's get the person who's directed 2012 to do this film. It was the worst possible decision. Well, he did you know. He did finance this solely himself, so there was no studio interference. It's a, it's, a, it's a fucking awfulness. And when you see him in interviews and stuff, it's, it's such an ego trip. Um, yeah. But no, so to me, Shakespeare is this just this wonderful insight into humanity. And I'd like to take a couple of minutes of the listeners' time right now to, to play um, an, uh, a little poem I suppose you call it a spoken word poem from probably my favourite I suppose you'd say poet but sort of spoken word person um, Kate Tempest are you familiar with Kate Tempest at all? I am not she's wonderful she's a sort of musician rapper kind of poetry kind of person and it's it's a it's a position that affords her some fame but enough not enough fame that means that I've met her a couple of times like a you know a little uh, poetry sort of re- reading things but it was during the Shakespeare week which I think is an annual thing or a semi-annual thing Um, and yeah I'd like to play a thing it's called My Shakespeare just to express what Shakespeare actually means as opposed to what it feels like it means okay well we'll add this in now he's in every lover who ever stood alone beneath a window in every jealous whispered word and every ghost that will not rest He's in every father with a favourite, every eye that stops to linger on what someone else has got and starts to widen in distress. He's in every young man that grows boastful, every worn-out elder drunk for days, muttering false prophecies and squandering their lot. He's in every complex misunderstanding that springs up between a group of friends and never seems to end, even when its beginnings are forgot. He's in every girl who ever used her wits to outsmart the status quo. He's in every vain self-admirer, every passionate, ambitious social climber. He's in every misheard word that ever led to tempers fraying. He's in every pawn that moves across the board and still remains convinced that it's not playing. So you might think his words are ancient, you might think his words are dead, but chances are you've quoted him directly if you've ever said oh it sets my teeth on edge or there's a method in my madness or pure as the driven snow or my hair standing on end or all that glitters is not gold or I haven't slept a wink or I wear my heart upon my sleeve or the beast with two backs or the word puking which is harder to believe or fighting fire with fire or having too much of a good thing you see his pen was mightier than his sword but still his words are like blades that sing our very names when they strike here's the milk of human kindness up in arms break the ice his the green-eyed monster his discretion is the better part of valor and now his words with their arms around each other's shoulders swagger to the ends of their phrases they're proud of everything they've done of how his pages have lasted through the ages of how he has become a poet whose poetics have embedded themselves so firmly in the fabric of our language it's like he's in our mouths his words have tangled round our own and given rise to expressions so effective in expressing how we feel we can't imagine how we'd feel without them his Less the tights and garters, more the sons demanding answers from the absence of their fathers, the hot darkness of a doomed embrace, the laughter of the night before, the tight and jaw of the morning after. He is in us, part and parcel of our royals and our rascals. <laughs> 
He's not just something boring taught in classrooms in language that's hard to understand. He's not just a feeling of inadequacy when you sit for an exam. He's in every valiant woman, every pitiful villain, every sore loser, every great king, every fake tear. And his legacy exists and lives on in everything he's written. And if you listen, you will hear him everywhere. He's my Shakespeare. Um, yeah, that's, yeah, it's really good, isn't it? I've never seen that before. Um, what, what's her name, sorry? Kate Tempest. Kate Tempest, yeah. I'm guessing you know, that's I found not her surname. I, I met her and I found out that I'd been playing football with her brother for like four years really? <laughs> before that because he's got a different surname. Anyway, that's a well, proper, that's London, prob- proper London story, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I should have warned you she's working class, Hugh. I, should, oh, I mean, I'm yeah. sorry about that. She did create art, though, so I don't know if that... Conflicts with the old world. Yeah. No. Thoughts? Yeah, I mean, how do you feel about that? Oh, yeah, like, you don't realise just how embedded the the, the um, language of Shakespeare really is in your everyday-to-day usage and, you know, the... Like, even, like, the funny things like the beast with two backs and, <laughs> and everything that glitters is gold. And, yeah, yeah like, it's I not gold. Like, obviously, I'm, I'm not, like... I like Shakespeare, but I'm, I wouldn't be overly familiar with it like yeah. all of it I've not read all of it I've not seen all of it I've not I don't, I don't even think I've actually seen oh well I've seen like films and stuff but I've never, yeah, seen, yeah. I've never been to a Shakespeare play or anything like that see well, that, that, that uh, the video of that um, poem was very effective when I was teaching year 7 Shakespeare yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was very effective and what I really like was that point how come you were teaching Shakespeare in year 7 I never did any till I was in year 9 <laughs> budget <laughs> <Cut back. laughs> not qualified haven't read it um but yeah, no. What I like is you know, it's not it's not just something boring taught in classrooms or you know the carters and all that sort of yeah. stuff. It's, it's the it's the universal theme. So as hackneyed as it is and as boring and cliched as it is, I'd much prefer to see a Shakespeare production set in like modern gangland Chicago than right. watch the film Anonymous. Like, it, <laughs> the, and again, there's so few. You know, you know. We've talked about this. I, I don't know if we talked about this show, but or generally, but I've really been getting into Greek myths the last few years since Stephen Fry's written a few mm. books about it. I've and, mentioned it to me at least. And it has really put me off every Greek myth film, like Gods of Egypt. And that's, is that Greek? That's not a Greek myth film, is it? Yeah, yeah. But, but like, that's the problem. The it looks exactly like all those things because it's like oh here's a guy he's got armour on and there's gold and there's palaces and there's kings and there's all this bullshit yeah. but it's not a human story at all you know and these things yeah. are human stories um, I'm so guessing yeah, you don't like the film Troy then <laughs> you know I haven't seen it start to finish maybe we'll watch fair it enough. you, you no. can convince me that there is a good Greek film I, it's not a great film to be fair yeah, um, yeah they just yeah, I mean, it, it. It, does, it does seem like a trope to question the authorship though of great works like Homer's Work is always like, well, did he did he actually write it? Was but again, it okay, so if we if you put in thirty years of research, you did a couple of PhDs on it, you yeah. went to all this effort, and somehow you could empirically prove that it wasn't him; it was another guy called Gerald. So <laughs> what? Does it matter? So what? It doesn't because change anything. No, about that. probably not. It I just mean, means we change the name of the author on I the mean, thing. There's like, yeah, there's so many famous people throughout history who believe that it was. That it wasn't that it wasn't uh, yeah. Shakespeare, who wrote but it's like, like it's like when Mark when Twain, when you know, when Ricky Gervais, Ricky Gervais described the film Sophie's Choice to Carl Pilkington and said, <laughs> "There's two siblings; she had to choose one." And he says, "Well, which one did she pick?" Well, don't spoil it. I've not seen it. And he says, 
what does it matter? What if I said, you know, <laughs> she picked Pauline? So fucking what? It's a mother who's got to choose between two children. What? So what? <laughs> you know, that's not the point of it. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> so what? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's the product, isn't it's, it? Do you think it's missing the point? It's entirely. completely missing the point. And it's this, like... Then it's fine. You know, it's good to have, like... We had to credit people with their work. But yeah. if they've been dead for 400 years... <laughs> yeah. We still have to credit them and honour their legacy. But it's not the most... You know... I think as well, like... Like I said earlier, didn't I? That it, it makes sort of... Like, oh, yeah, if it turned out if it was the Earl of Oxford, yeah, it'd probably make more sense given the yeah. things he wrote about. But then again, that also takes away from the the genius of Shakespeare because, yeah, he didn't experience the courtly life of yeah. Tudor aristocrats. So he just, had to, he just had to make it up. <laughs> he had to guess from it doesn't other mean works, he, didn't, other he couldn't find said. out. Like you said, he doesn't mean he couldn't find out that Italy had a city called Verona and like <laughs> yeah. and a couple of facts about it. You yeah. know, maybe I he had mean, friends who ponced off there. And who, you know what? Who cares? Like, like I, you know what? When you see stuff like this as well, you think, well. J.R.R. Tolkien was never in a fantasy realm with dragons, was he? He's never met a single hobbit. No. A few dwarves. And and it's offensive when he calls them hobbits. And, uh, you know. (laughs) The ring of power. Uh, Bugger off. (laughs) You don't know shit about Sauron. He doesn't know shit about shit, does he? Ultimately, bad film, terrible message. Pointless. Okay, well, I'm, I'm going to ask you now. <laughs> what was your favourite scene of the film? <laughs> my favourite, honestly, my favourite scene was the, just the medley of Shakespeare plays because it was at least I like that a bit. It's good. Yeah, and it was, and I had a bit of flair to it, but it still felt like Roland Emmerich was directing it. But yeah. it had a bit of flair, and it was Shakespeare's words instead of whatever the I can't remember, I can't remember the uh, John Orloff instead of his was, words and Roland Emmerich's yeah, stuff Orloff. like that was stuff I mean to John Orloff's credit he's not a terrible writer he well he's written a film that I haven't you know credit to him <laughs> yeah but <laughs> I mean okay <laughs> yeah so yeah that was your favourite scene I would say mine was the scene at the end where um, where Johnson says he, how much he loves uh, Devere's work yeah, no, I and think that's like close. Soul second. for the ages, and all yeah. this. I think that's that. Dish. I would say is uh, encapsulates my favorite line. That kind of area, but you're right. Yeah. I think that is the most yeah. significant favorite okay. line. Then, um, yeah, mine was well. We'll go with yours because you're the recommended. In fact, as 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 you mentioned, that I don't have it written down word for word. But he says, you know, basically, the only reason we'll be remembered, even the Queen Elizabeth herself yeah. will be remembered, is because we shared this time with. The, the with the when the fact that your father put ink to paper or something to those your, well, that's your husband, husband right? that's... and it's oh your husband and it's basically true isn't it you know yeah it's a great little bit that actually it's like Queen a proper mic drop in it yeah yeah exactly Queen Elizabeth the first is famous for many reasons but she would lose a lot of that fame if she hadn't been around at Shakespeare's time yeah, it just happened to coincide <laughs> I mean yeah I mean you read any books about. Elizabeth the first and they're all like well she if she, it wasn't for Shakespeare no one would remember her <laughs> you know it wasn't the fact that she was uh, supreme head of Protestant no, head of the, 40, the most well, years, the whatever, yeah. of the most powerful Protestant country in the world in the mod, early the modern very, period yeah. Uh, guillotine yeah. happy yeah, yeah. Uh, my favourite line I, I really like the bit where um, Oxford just says all art is political, Johnson. Otherwise, it would just be decoration, and all artists have something to say. Otherwise, they'd make shoes. And you are not a cobbler, are you, Johnson? Yeah, it's a good line, and I think it's based on a true line. I think it's all artists political and something. But yeah, Yeah. it's good line. Good line. Favorite shot? Yeah, 
So I really like the shot. The, it's a top-down shot of when the audience member she was jumped on the stage and she gives the sword to the actor playing Henry V. That's really, and they're all cheering and you know they're, they're like deaf to the French and all this and they're all getting <laughs> round. I really like that bit. They will up uh, for it, aren't they? Yeah, they're mad for it, aren't they? So Sam, <laughs> we're gonna have a quick break. Let's do it. And then when we get back, we're gonna get the rating, the critics, the quiz, and then what we're doing for next week. Fantastic. Okay, see you in a sec. Hello and welcome back. So, Sam, we're now going to do Zikritex. Mm. And we're going to see what they thought of it. So, it's a mixed bag, as you can imagine. Yeah. Um, So, we go... yeah, <laughs> yeah you, this might this might uh, chime with how you feel about this. Okay. A.O. Scott in the New York Times, anonymous, a costume spectacle directed by Roland Emmerich from a script by John Orloff, is a vulgar prank on the English literary tradition, a travesty of British history, and a brutal insult to the human imagination. I wish Apart I from just that, said it's that. It's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could, I could have saved you an hour, listener, and just said that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, we've got a bit more of a nuanced. Uh, look, not nuanced, but he's, he's very much on one side of the argument here. So this is James Shapiro in the Guardian. Now James Shapiro is a is a is a Stratfordian and very prominent. He wrote a book. He's written books. He's written a couple of books about Shakespeare. So he's no, he's up so there. So he says until Devere comes along, Elizabethan public. Public theatres are depicted places where low-class actors perform silly plays written by dramatists so mediocre they can't imagine how anyone could pos- compose an entire play in blank verse. De Vere's genius is so towering that it is unimaginable he could ever have been influenced by or collaborated with these lesser talents. And to the <laughs> and to the and to underscore this, we are offered a flashback to fifteen fifty nine when a precocious Devere, age nine, writes and stars in a Midsummer Night's Dream. Even Ben Johnson is a lightweight. Devere dismissively telling him, <laughs> writer to writer, "You have no voice." Shakespeare is an illiterate murderer. Uh, Shakespeare is illiterate, murderous, and just awful. <laughs> um, harping back to what I said about the depiction of women so this is basically where he's uh, he has his thoughts on how they depict women in this oh yeah every woman in this film is either shrewish or sluttish the sexual <laughs> politics of the film are driven not so much by willful misogyny as they are by the need to establish a sharp opposition between opposing political uh, co- coteries bent on swaying the, ki- the queen and failing that the people yeah so that was Shapiro in the uh in the Guardian, mm. um, not Ben Shapiro, at least. No, thankfully Tom, not. Is it? Um, I think it was. Sorry, I think he was the one who basically called the writers of this film were the makes misogynists. Yeah. Um, unless that was Ebert, but I don't think it was. I've got one more, so we've got. So it's our half. You know our critic, critic, critic idol. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, it's time for Roger Ebert. Cue the music. Roger Ebert. <laughs> Roger Ebert. 
So Ebert says, you perhaps know little enough about Shakespeare and next nothing about other candidates. That's no reason to avoid this marvellous historical film, which I believe to be profoundly mistaken because of the ingenious screenplay by John Orloff, precise direction by Roland Emmerich and the casting of memorable British actors. You can walk into the theatre as a blank slate, follow and enjoy the story and leave convinced, if of nothing else, that Shakespeare was a figure of compelling interest. So... That's what he thinks, but he goes on. There's a bit more here from me, but that I want to want you to hear and give me your thoughts. Uh, he talks about, so he says, in the New York Times article, the Shakespeare scholar James Shapiro has cited a few technicalities. A. De Vere writes and stars in A Midsummer Night's Dream when he was nine, as we've already mentioned, and he died in 1604, before 10 or so Shakespeare plays were written. I have a personal theory. The most detailed and valuable record of life in London at that time is the diary of Samuel Pepys, who attends plays in court and in town, and as a secretary of the Navy, was an inveterate gossip, well-wired for information. He wrote his diary in a cipher, not intending it to be read. If he had knowledge of a true authorship of the plays, I don't believe, it could have sup- he, I don't believe he could have suppressed it. So he, his angle is that Pepys being such a gossip and the prolific diarist that he was and that it was for personal, I don't know, consumption or relief or whatever, that it was never meant to be read. And if such a scandalous thing had come (laughs) out that he would be aware of it and he would have written about it. How many stars do you think Rog gave this though? Oh, Rog, I mean, it was a fairly positive review that. I'd say two and a half to three. Uh, he gave it three and a half. I mean, maybe the cancer had metastasized to his brain at that stage. <laughs> oh, s- s- Sam. That's awful. Is that in poor taste? That's, oh, well, you could be right. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? But yeah, so that's, so yeah, this, I mean, look, let's get into it. Give us your rating. I want to know how many Midsummer Night's Dreams out of ten give this, <laughs> give this film. What would you predict? Four, if it's lucky. Four out of ten? Yeah. Four out I, th- ten I, costumes. Think, I think it's a six, maybe a seven at a push. Oh, but you've given so many good films seven yeah. out of ten. This is not a seven out of ten. All right, all right, on, I'll give it six, because I like it. It. I, I, it compelled you to do interesting research into something that's interesting. And I do like, like, it does just completely mess with, like, like it's not just Shakespeare who gets both barrels here. Queen Elizabeth the first also gets it, like... She's goes from the Virgin Queen to some sex raving maniac, yeah, unleashing a corset. Who's having bastards left? Go on, you can say it. Having, you know, (laughs) bastard, bastard (laughs) out out of wedlock, (laughs) bastards out of wedlock. You know, here and everywhere. And Mm. I mean, I'm I I've no evidence for this, but my personal belief is there's no way that she never got down and dirty. She was 25 by the time she became queen. You're telling me a woman who was 25 who wasn't meant to be queen wasn't off at least gallivanting yeah getting fingered around the back of the bike shed <laughs> <laughs> sorry I should cut that so awful <laughs> right so yeah I mean again I think what we've basically said here it doesn't really matter who wrote these plays it's, no. it, it seems to be a trope that great literary works are questioned to their authorship you know as I mentioned uh, Homer before and quite frankly 
there's there's Homer and the Shakespeare, and then there's everybody. Then there's a clear gap, and then there's everyone else, isn't there? They're yeah, the two biggest. <laughs> it's a pantheon. They're literally the two biggest influences on the Western literary tradition, you know, mm. and they're going to be like that for another two thousand years, you know. Presumably, quite frankly, that's the way I look at it. Um, so, the question I've got actually: Were you bored by this film? Because you said it was an hour oh, too long, but intensely bored, right? Because because I was feeling like because you disliked it so much, you might have, you know, in that way, that's something so bad it's good, sort of thing. No, no, it was a. I actually said out loud a few times, "Get on with it," and um, I couldn't give a shit about the the Queenie stuff. Yeah, you because yeah. it just like I said, I've said it, I've said it before. It doesn't matter. It was too long. It was an hour. It was about two and a half hours too long. <laughs> it wasn't even two hours. <laughs> it, was just, it was just two hours. Although one thing Precisely I did like at the end point. of the credits is, um, you know, the disclaimer where they have to put this as a work of fiction, <laughs> which to me seemed a bit disingenuous. This is not a thesis. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, we're going to see how closely you watch the film and give you an old quiz. Yeah. I'm going to do poorly on you this. You probably might do. Because I've got some, yeah. I've got some difficult. I was questions. literally checking Reddit <laughs> times. <laughs> okay, question one: uh, When talking with Queen Elizabeth, what does Edward say that the plays in Italy are called? Mm, I've no idea. They are Commedia della Arte, which was a coin that a phrase that wasn't coined for another like hundred years or something <laughs> before this, before uh, before meant to have said it. Okay, question two. What political position does De Vere hold? He says it in his little spiel about what he is. Oh, this rings a vague bell. I've actually, I actually a... said it earlier. Well, he's not a Puritan. Uh, politically, no, he's got, can he's you got me a clue? It's yeah, not like a... Yeah, it's a very specific position that he has. Although, I don't know how he would have this position, given that he's not meant to be at court. So, Oh, sorry, a position? I thought you meant like a viewpoint. No, um, no, no. His position, uh, Viscount of... That's, Winchester or something. I mean, that's that's a title, not a position. Yeah, go on, tell me. What's He's it? Uh, the Lord Chamberlain of England. Yeah. Although, if he was the Lord Chamberlain of England, he would definitely be at court like every day. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> my understanding is that's a very active political role. That's basically, <laughs> yeah, the Lord Chamberlain's quite like, important. Like uh, that comes from the person who helped dress the king. That's right. The, so yeah, that's how they would. Pres- Important, but it doesn't matter. Uh, that's probably the hard. They're the, probably the two hardest questions. Uh, what is the name of the theatre that De Vere goes to at the beginning of the film? So it's not the Globe. Um, no. You did mention the, yeah. the bank, the yeah. river bank. The he bank. mentions it in that bit when he's on about cobblers and artists and decoration. Yeah, is it some bank? You're close. If river bank, South Bank, North Bank. Uh, oh, you Thames Bank. Banks the first. Were Bank of oh, England, Bank Depth, Bank side. River, Bank South, Bank Theatre. You've literally almost said everything but this. Wank Bank Bank. No. Bank Wank? No, yes. <laughs> no, <laughs> Nailed it. No. <laughs> bank Side. Bank Side. He does yeah. say it, but he says it quite quickly. And uh, I think he does show up on screen, though. I can't, I'm not well. sure. One of them does. Um, how much did Shakespeare demand from De Vere when he, went, when he finally found him? I remember at some point... Did you point, have your subtitles up for this? I didn't. I remember yeah, at some point... Yeah, subtitles. Oh, he asked for, that's why right. I forgot everything. I remember yeah. he asked for £400 per year. He did indeed. Yes, well done. And then finally, question five. What play is performed at the end of the film? What? what? Not the... Sorry. Correction. Not at the, the end. Because at the end, it's a different play. I didn't catch... What is the play that's 
I forgot that there was another play performing. <laughs> so, um, this is. I'll start again. I'll edit this out. Qu- question five: What play is used to they that they use to rile up the mob? Oh, to rile up the mob. Um, that hang on, hang on. Yeah, no, no, no. I've got uh, Richard the Third. It is indeed. Yeah. Yes. Well done. And so, there's a you... it reminded me of Red Dwarf, where um, <laughs> Rimmer and Lister they're marooned and they need yeah. something to burn so Lister doesn't die of the cold. And he's got the last, probably the last remaining copy of the complete works of Shakespeare. And Rimmer's trying to prove that he knows it. And he says, "Oh, you know, it's got that um, Richard the Third, that great speech. Now, something, 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 something. <laughs> that great now <laughs> speech, you know, unforgettable. <laughs> so yeah, uh, Richard the Third." So, all in all, you you did do well this week. I'm not going to lie, but your enthusiasm for it wasn't exactly there, was it? Uh, well, I, I got a higher got score two. than the film did. <laughs> you got, you did actually the same score, forty percent. Yeah, I would say yeah, that's the same score. Which yeah. is, I think, overegging how good the film is. I, I mean, I don't think it's as bad as you think, but I, I can see your point. Um, so yeah, so that's that's anonymous. That's um, anonymous. We've had a nice long chat there. Of, about and again, about listener, Sha- if you've got if you've got any problems with that, start your own Shake. podcast. Yeah, start your own literary podcast and Do talk want. about famous historical figures. You, <laughs> yeah. Um, Sam, the next question I have to ask you though is: mm. What film are we doing next week? We haven't discussed it. I'm going to throw this at no. you. I'm going to hope that you still haven't seen it since a year ago when <laughs> we put it on the list. Oh gosh! To cleanse the palate, to get a genuinely good Reese fans film, we're going to watch the boat that rocked. No, I, I mean, yeah, I would, I, this didn't look good. <laughs> I, I, I didn't hear it was good, so I'm, I'm a bit sceptical about this one. Fantastic. It's about like, isn't it, is it Radio Caroline or something like that? Mm-hmm. Is that what this is about? It's a Richard yes. Curtis film, isn't it? That's right. Going to be lots of English people wanking off. Yeah, yeah, about it? being so English and smoking middle class. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Going with going with low expectations, and I think you'll like it. It's, it's oh, don't worry, they're low. <laughs> this, you know, anonymous has zero fun in it. This is at least a bit fun. We're gonna have fun. There's, have there, fun. There'll be there'll be state mandated fun. <laughs> we should also mention um, to we? the yes. listener. We well, talked about it a lot last we week. Get yourself over to Country Zoom Pod. Yeah. Because a couple of familiar voices will be ringing in the ear of uh, Contrazoo Pod listeners very, very soon. A couple yeah. of weeks from now, Dick and we will be talking. The bungalow are going to be. On. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But in our case, we uh, we just have two dicks. Um, <laughs> uh, in, uh, we are going to be talking about Citizen Kane and uh, David Fincher's latest released Mank. Yeah, I don't so, know how we're going to talk about a film that we can't watch, but there we go. We'll figure it out. We'll figure out the logistics. You just figure yeah. out how to get there, listener, and yeah. hope that there is content. Contrazoom Pod. Conscious of that, honestly. We're not sponsored by them. We just really like Dakota. It's a great show. He knows what he's talking about. He's watched all catching services, is the word I'm trying to say. Absolutely. I demanded that you get it on ACAST. So if, like me, you listen to ACAST podcasts, it's there as we are. As are we. So, Hugh, my we question are. to you is, yeah. if they want to get in touch with us and tell us their favourite Contra Zoom pod episode or how they feel about the boat that rocked, yeah. or, how could they do that? Or Anonymous. Oh, whatever or if they, they think that Shakespeare really wrote Shakespeare. What they need to do, Sam, is they no, need to uh, become nobility. They yeah. need to then write some emails, but then they need to get somebody else to then send those emails. <laughs> um, if they can get £400 a year out of them for doing it, that would be great. Yeah. Um, so they will have to do it under a pseudonym. Okay. Um, if they manage to do that, the what email address should 
they tell their knobby friend who <laughs> is spiritually enlightened because they had money. Uh, what, what email address should that person uh, send? That should to? go to pleasewatchthis.pod at gmail.com. Fantastic. Fantastic. What, what, if they don't want to do that and they just want to go on like Twitter, where can they get uh, If you're riffraff like me, uh, get on Twitter. <laughs> if you're a working man. At pleasewatchpod, ostensibly by, you know, we're on Instagram uh, occasionally yeah. and we're also on Facebook very occasionally. So Twitter is at pleasewatchpod. Hugh, my final thing to say to you is, how do you feel about the uh, listener? Um, we have a so-so relationship. I if, think you, it's more if you pass them in the street, give... how would you... Uh... I mean, two meters, mate. <laughs> two meters. Mask on. Touch yeah. the nose, but not actually on the nose, and uh, yeah. move on. I just want, yeah, two meter distance. I don't want to get corona. Little nod. Yeah, Listener, just, uh, however, I love you. Thank you for he, he bearing with us. Break, the, like, break social distancing rules. We've almost been doing this long. Honestly, if you're thinking about watching Anonymous, listen to this episode instead, because it's about the same amount of time. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's about the same shorter of time. And less full of bullshit, <laughs> even though it's completely full of shite. Uh, do well, listen to the episode again. a more balanced view on the, uh, the, 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 the subject. We Martin, did more research it? for it. <laughs> we didn't just go... Better production value. The other better, side is right. <laughs> better editing. Yeah. Unless you, you won't be stupider by listening to this, but you will be stupider if you want to. Does it does it like does it make you think less of, say, Mark Rylance and Derek Jacobi? <laughs> yeah, 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 it does. Yeah. yeah. I think it's a sort of film that months from now I'll hate even more than I hate now. That's the sort of venom that it I'm will ferment. why I'm friends with you. Yeah. On that, that note, on that note, listener. Have, have, a, have a very, very Christmas. <laughs> and we will see you all next week. Yeah. yeah. Love you. Take care. Bye. Bye.